Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. verses 16 through 27. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Gogotha. Then they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. If you weren't here earlier, I said, I'm going to try to make my eyes brighter and my hands wider so that you all will stay engaged um, during this sermon. From his, his birth to his death, Jesus experienced real pain and real conflict in his life. And the woman that stood at the center of all of it, she shaped, she shaped his childhood She wept at his tomb. She watched in awe as God's salvation for the world was revealed through her 
her beloved son, the woman who stood at the center of all of it was Mary. And so over the next four weeks in worship, we are going to come to know and understand Mary, the mother of Jesus, a woman of humble means who finds favor with God in her lowly state. What was, what was she even like as a person? Why was she given this remarkable, remarkable task? What does the Bible teach about her and what meaning does her life have for our life? And as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, we will study the real life of Mary, a life that was neither comfortable nor easy, but it changed the world forever. For for this journey, we will begin at the end today. So if you thought that text we just read sounds an awful lot like Lent, you would not be wrong. We will start at the, the end of the story today and move forward, gleaning insight for this season when we celebrate the birth of our Lord. But first, we begin at the end. And did you hear it this morning as Phoebe read? Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. In the season of Advent, we acknowledge one of the greatest truths of all truths, that God came to be with us. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel. God with us, revealed in us, his name is called Emmanuel. And the title itself denotes this, Emmanuel, God with us, and this vehicle And the vehicle of the coming of this God, it's it's nothing that we expect it would be. It's not a warrior on a valiant steed. It's not a God descending from the clouds. No, this God shows the most natural of ways, for us at least, the most natural of ways to come into this world. And that's birth. And God was born through the vehicle of a mere human, a a woman named Mary. For this most unique of privileges, Mary has been given throughout history such names over the centuries like Mother of God, Heavenly Nurse, Help of the Helpless, Dispensatrix, of all grace. She has long been honored. She has long been admired. By the Middle Ages, Mary began to even be venerated, right? Though though she rightly sang in her Magnificat that she would be blessed, Mary, this humble maiden, would probably find this unfathomable, how much we venerate her. There are three statues We can put it on the screen. There are three statues in the Harvard Museum, which art historian Julia Phelps describes represent that medieval church's view of Mary. The first statue shows her as a young child mother of this bouncing baby boy. She 
She's still kind of with braids even below her, her scarf. And, 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 and this, it's the sign of youthful virginity. The second statue shows this grieving old woman with the broken body of her son across her knees beneath the cross, that most famous Pieta. And the third shows in this regal splendor the one first received the grace of God becomes the means whereby the grace of God is made flesh in the world, known as Regina Coleli. Mary has been known as the means of the incarnation, no accident of history, but God's willing choice for her to be that. And she is elevated in Catholic tradition not only as a saint, but as the queen of heaven, the embodiment of the church. Though we Protestants, you know, don't pray to her, we are right to honor her as the bearer of God's grace in the world. One church historian, Pelican, sees her rightly as this this timeless spiritual inspiration for women, the most powerful woman among powerful men, he writes. Some power is given at birthright, like a queen or royalty. Other power is dubbed through, through community decisions such as president, but true power, true authority, true influence are earned and I would say Mary's spiritual power is warranted, secured, if you will, by her very place in the life of Jesus, a place that none but she could have had, Jesus' mother. And so we begin at the end of this story today, where she is a mother at the death of her son. On the eighth day after his birth, Mary and Joseph presented Jesus at the temple for Jewish rite dedication. And while in the temple, when he was only eight days old, an old man named Simeon, seeing Jesus in Mary's arms, walks over and takes the infant. Old Simeon, with, with baby in his arms, praised God and blessed the couple and, and blessed the baby. But then he says to Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. As Mary, mother of Jesus, stood at the foot of the cross watching her son die, these words of old Simeon must have flooded her heart again. There with three other women and one man, the disciple John, she stood close by and with his eyes still fixed on his mother, he spoke to her, woman, here is your son. And then to John, here is your mother. Have you ever known that that's the way the story goes? Jesus isn't asking them, as, isn't asking Mary to look at him. Jesus is asking Mary to acknowledge her new son, John. And they all watched helplessly. It was all out of their hands. The event was way out of their, their control. 
Mary and John standing there looking at Jesus. They could not stop it. All they could do was stand at the foot of the cross and just be there for Jesus. I I know no greater human love than a mother of a suffering child. It was about probably a decade ago that I taught my mom how to text. I know no greater love than a mom who knows how to text her suffering child who lives far away. (laughs) It becomes this great love and this great burden, the many, many texts that come through. About a year ago, I I taught my mom how to Facebook portal, um, Facebook video, and no love like a mom who knows how to Facebook portal of a suffering child like this week. So I, you know, she knows I had COVID and she knows we're planning to go on a trip to Belgium this coming week and to take our infant to meet her grandmother, um, her great grandmother in, um, in Antwerp this week. And, and she has so many feelings. My mom always has so many feelings. Um, So the number of of Facebook portal calls, that mom of that suffering child, who she also now has this extension to worry about. And so it's like the texts and the Facebook portal calls have doubled, because there's extension of me to the mom of the suffering child of the hopefully not suffering grandchild. I have this vivid memory of my mom. Um, I, I didn't, anybody in, in high school or middle school participate in Odyssey of the Mind or Destination Imagination? Did anybody? We were real nerds, super nerds. It's okay if you didn't, you were cool. We were not, Gina, we were not. Um, It's this creative program, but in fact, I mean, it was, I find it to be a really important part of my life, but we went to world competition with Destination Imagination. Um, And you put on this skit, but it's also creative and there's some building aspect. It's very nerdy. Um, But when we were at world competition in Tennessee, I, I remember so vividly at eight years old, became very sick, very sick. In the middle of the competition, um, I I couldn't participate in the competition um, because of it. Um, And we came to find find out then that I was allergic to all penicillin drugs. That was the moment in my life that I I discovered that. Um, I had been put on Augmentin and I, um, hives and, and, I was um, admitted into the hospital. Um, I had uh, difficulty breathing. And I, it's one of those memories of my childhood. I wonder if you have one like that, of, of your mom, just, or your, or your dad, or somebody who cared for you, just that kind of love and devotion when, when, you, when they are that worried for you, and when you are in this place of just absolute suffering, lying in bed, alone in this room, you know, drapes closed in a hospital, immobilized, and she couldn't fix it, and she couldn't heal it, but she was there. There is no other kind of love than a mother's love for her suffering child, which is why I received the texts and I received the portal calls 
knowing what kind of love that is. Imagine it. Mary, mother of Jesus, her, her son dying on a cross. Restless, constantly struggling, moving his head back and forth as if lying on this hot pillar and his, his whole body is restless, searching for a comfortable position, but no comfort can be found in his suffering. Who can know the suffering of a mother at the suffering of their child? For centuries, it's, it's been the subject matter of the arts. Paintings depicting Mary with the dying Jesus. Poetry dwelling on, on such tender sorrow. <coughs> Hymnody that, that strives to capture the pathos of a moment like that. And we get this really famous hymn from it. Um, it's called Stabat Mater. It, you, will, you might know it when you hear it. Um, it's Latin, and I'm going to try um, to sing it today, not in Latin. <laughs> um, but these are the words of, of this hymn that we know from history. At the cross her station keeping stood the mournful mother weeping close to Jesus at the last. Through her heart, his sorrow sharing, all his bitter anguish bearing. Now at length the sword has passed. Christ above in torment hangs, she beneath beholds the pangs of her dying glorious son. Oh, how sad and sore distressed was that mother highly blessed of the soul begotten one? Is there one who would not weep, whelmed in misery so deep? Christ, dear mother, to behold, for the sins of his own nation, she saw Jesus racked with torment, all with scourges rent, and something. <laughs> she beheld her tender child, saw him hang in desolation, till his spirit forth he sent. Can the human heart refrain from partaking in her pain? in that mother's pain untold. There you go, Brett, for Lent. I am struck especially so many depictions of Mary with the suffering Jesus, showing her tending to his head, tending to the head of her newborn, tending, touching that soft spot on his crown, soothing him to sleep with her caressing care, but the tender picture goes the other way, too. In his writing, Jesus' eyes fell upon Mary, his mother. He's writhing on the cross, and it says his eyes fell upon Mary, his mother, for what seemed to be such a long time, and Jesus simply looked at her. 
Unexpectedly, he struggles to pull himself up onto the cross again so that he could breathe better and speak better. It's in the midst of his pain, Jesus expresses concern for his mother. He has this deep concern for her. The very human dramas before us of a son's concern for her well-being and safety of his mother now, when a father has died, it is the eldest son's responsibility to care for his mother. How would, he, how would she manage without him? How would he care for her, for her beyond the cross? Where would her provision come from, her guarding, her protecting? And so she is commended to John, the beloved disciple and closest friend in life and in death. Jesus says, woman, here is your son now. Son, here is your mother now. He was now Mary's son, and now Mary was John's mother, and they are to love and care for each other. And through the eyes of Mary, we see this passion of Christ, and we can begin to know what wondrous love this is. Mary pondered these things in her heart. The ancient church father, Gregory of Nyssa, wrote this, what Christ did not assume, he could not redeem. This is why Christ had to suffer for God to forgive our sin. God must confront our sin on its own turf. For God to defeat our death, God had to enter into death. Humanity could only be saved by Christ assuming full humanity, and that is full flesh. And so Advent is a time for us to prepare. Advent is a time to remember, with all the festivities this month of events that we even have at Kingstown, we should not forget that the child of Bethlehem was also the child of Golgotha. And in this full picture, we can see the bounds of heaven's reach for us. So with the words of St. Paul as we finished Ephesians just last week, I urge you then this Advent and pray for you this Advent in this holy season. May you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you with Mary might be filled with all the fullness of God this Advent. I offer this to you in the name of God the Father, in the name of Christ his Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray? God, when we move towards Christmas, without Advent, when we just skip over Advent completely, we forget that the God of Bethlehem was also the God of Golgotha. We miss the point entirely for why this baby was born, why you took on human flesh, why you came in a manger, why you were humble as a, as a newborn child so that you could take on the fullness of humanity so that this baby born in Bethlehem would be the God of Golgotha. And so we start here today. 
And this is good news for us. It feels like a somber way to begin Advent, which anyone here would tell you I like that. But it's good news for us, God, because, because our lives aren't merry. When we look at the world around us, there's so much that's not merry. And it's the life of Mother Mary that teaches us what it looks like to be saints on this journey towards the manger in the midst of a world that's not merry. And so God, meet us in our in our frustration about our jobs. Meet us, God, in our, our grieving of a loved one. Meet us, meet us, God, in our just sheer exha- exhaustion of, of compounded illness or, or exhaustion of the political environment or outrage of events that happened this week. Meet us in all of that. Be with those today, God, who are going to experience this Advent season, this Christmas season, in a way where it's gonna feel like the longest of days and the darkest of nights. Make the fact that you are the God of Bethlehem and also Golgotha that Make that good news for them. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.